Painter Colin McCann was so moved by the poetry of West Coaster Peter Hooper that he used Peter's poems in several artworks. Twenty years after his death, Peter's published and previously unpublished poetry has finally found a home in an anthology called Rejoice Instead. The book's being launched at the upcoming Readers and Writers Festival at the west coast town of Blackball. Greymouth-born, Peter Hooper was also a novelist, teacher, environmentalist and mentor to many young writers. I spoke to the editor of Rejoice Instead, Pat White, one of Peter's former students and writer of his biography, and to David Young, who went on to publish Peter's poetry in the 1970s. He was, to me, a poet who was sort of probably not particularly fashionable. Nevertheless, it spoke to us at a time when environmentalism was beginning to emerge. I, I think the poetry actually sold quite well. One of the books we published of his, called Earth Marriage, actually sold 2,000 copies. As a poet, he, he spoke to me because of the way in which he was speaking about the beauty of the coast at a time when very few poets were writing on the coast that, that got published anyway. And, you know, he certainly spoke to me. Peter grew up, he was on a West Coast dairy farm, I think at Cold Creek, and then he went to Teachers College. He didn't want to go back to the coast, um, but he did, in fact, lived his life there afterwards. So for somebody who at one stage was reluctant <laughs> to, to spend his life on the coast, he, he writes very eloquently about the coast. He doesn't always use place names, but it feels like the, that coastal bush and weather and terrain enters into m- most of his poetry. Yes, I, I, I think that's what spoke to the readers that we were able to attract, was that it, it was quite traditional, but it was accessible. And so people who were who already loved that kind of, loved the coast and loved the kind of rivers and mountains and the light, of course, which he writes so beautifully about in this book, Earth Marriage, that we published in his little essay about what the coast actually meant to him, is probably, in some ways, even better than the poetry. So he certainly uh, had a following among a lot of younger people um, in a way you might not have expected, especially given that he was a kind of... The way he presented himself was... Well, I was just thinking about it before, the sort of like Ralph Nader, but nerdy-looking with the black glasses and the dark suit sometimes and not as much hair. He actually talked about place in a way that not a lot of people were doing at that time. Pat, looking through the poems, there's a real mix here of poems that are quite hopeful and uplifting, and then you'll come to another one where it's it, you know his mood has changed very much and it's pessimistic. He was very introspective man and wrote journals throughout his life. Some of them are quite bleak indeed, and in the poetry, especially the ones that are new, published for the first time in um, the Rejoice Instead. He was very unflinching in looking at his own mortality. He had a tumour in, in his stomach. He had a slight stroke very late in his life. And he looked after his ageing parents for many years. He knew all about the dark side, and he was quite happy to tackle that. But as he grew older, he developed this uh, lightness in the face of it all, I think you'd have to say. He could write 
with a sense of humour that's sort of gentle and quiet. David, with the, coming back to the, the conservation side of his life, when you're reading the poems, as I say, that the, the, the nature is all pervasive, really, in the, in the poems. When you were talking to him, spending time with him, did you get a, a sense that he was trying to, through his poetry and through his writing, trying to encourage more people to care about the environment? I mean, in, in many ways, he was ahead of his time. Very much so. I think that he's quite alone a lot of the time in his in his perceptions, and I think it's one of the reasons why he, he loved young people so much and the students loved him, I think, for generations, it's fair to say. And he gave a lot of them a view over the hills beyond that narrow confine that the coast is encapsulated in and yeah, opened their eyes to a bigger world and answered a hunger, perhaps, that was there and all those paradoxes that the coast contains within that beauty, the incredible brutality, the, the, the loss of lives of men, um, you know, 450 that are memorialised on Mafia Key that died in mining accidents over that previous century. There's this incredible delicacy that he picks up on in the midst of also a great deal of brutality. There's a one on called the Stockton Mine that he, where he talks about him, the mine burned for another 50 or 60 years at that time since it had been shut down because of caught fire. You know, he doesn't close his eyes to the horrors of the way people treat the coast either, which, of course, is where his environmentalism begins to speak to a wider audience in his poetry and his prose. As an activist, I guess he had to walk a very fine line, didn't he? I mean, he was a teacher in schools, and within those schools you had students uh, whose parents were farmers and miners and and fishermen. So when he was writing, expressing himself about his concerns for the environment, I guess he had to be just a little bit careful not to alienate uh, his community. Yes, and and I think it's a line that environmentalists still walk over there. As the tension of environmentalism turned to the great forests of the West Coast, particularly at that point from sort of Hokitika south, more and more young environmentalists came over. I mean, Forest and Bird were sending people over by the busload. And there were others coming down individually, people like Guy Salmon, who had learned a lot from him, I know. David, what would be one of the poems, as, as you've read through these, maybe one you knew, or maybe one of the 39 new ones that we're seeing for the first time? What's one of the poems that you particularly enjoy and why? One of the ones I, I really love was one that was written to his brother who was killed towards the end of the war. Um, Anthony Hooper, and it's called um, Lines from Journey Towards an Elegy. Well, that's how we published it, Journey Towards an Elegy. It's just um, a very simple poem about a brother that he he loved, his only brother, um, taken out by the war. As I Get Lay Dying is another one that I liked when I was younger, and it has a beautiful simplicity about it. It's another one of those ones about the coast, so you've got a lot lines like, trees like old men bend under sacks of coal, bear always the wind's cool derision, and yet dream and the shriveled bud is stillness, flowering in a, hollow, in a green hollow. And then he goes on and talks about the fishermen at the net. The other one that I, that I like is, at the beginning is, it's pencilled by the rain. And it, it really evokes the coast in, in, I think, beautiful, spare ways. Again, he talks about from the plucking of the first flower 
the pricking of the first thorn to the last shiver of the bare branches. In the night wind, all time is illusion, and the end a cut-over waste, where Pukeko screams defiance at the harrier circling. Quite simple, very pared back, and always a mind work behind it that is thinking about his great influences. Thoreau is never very far from that. It's a sort, I suppose, on the one hand, this joy in nature and the the horror of, of what we're doing to the land. Pat, I'll let you um, wrap this up. Uh, if you would like to read no. one of your favourite poems for us. Yeah, look, I'll read one of the new ones in this new book. There's 39 poems that are eminently publishable that we didn't know about. And I'm going to read one of those. It's called Cherries. I'm delighted by it because of its its lightness of touch, even though it's got its serious side as well, but it's just so light and I, I think lovely, lovely touch and shows the years of attention to words. Cherries. On a wet Saturday in his kitchen at 10 a.m., the old man takes a crimson cherry from a wooden bowl on which some wet day last century a Chinese digger gouged with a knife blade ideographs of long life and happiness. Grey wacky sky cracks to rain. I wonder, says the old man, taking another cherry, if it is possible to have both long life and happiness. These cherries might help. Rejoice Instead Collected Poems, Peter Hooper, is published by Cold Hub Press. I was talking to Pat White and David Young.